The Talking Points podcast is produced in partnership with Fee Michael Gibson and clinicaltrialresults.org. Hi, Mike Gibson, Marco Balgemigli, and I are coming to you live from ESC 2021. Marco, one of my uh, favorite presentations at this meeting is your Master DAPT presentation. I think it's really a landmark study. There's a global trend to shorten DAPT and to discontinue aspirin earlier and earlier. Uh, and this really adds momentum to this, albeit clearly in high-risk patients who are at high risk of bleeding. Talk to us a little bit about the study, why you did it, how you did it, and what you found. Well, thank you so much, Mike, for having me and for your very kind introduction. MassDPT was really set up to answer a critical question with respect to DEPT duration in patients who have been selected for being high bleeding risk patients. That is an important clarification to, to make. That was not an all-camera PCI population. First, patient needed to be at least uh, having at least one HBR criteria among the 10th that we pre-specified, which basically to make a long story short, are really a resemble of HBR arc criteria that have been proposed, plus precise DPT score of at least 25. Uh, one of these conditions was actually making the patient potentially eligible, plus the fact that the patient had to be treated with a specific stent, which is Ultimaster stent, which is a biodegradable polymer serolimus eluting stent. And also we excluded patients in whom we thought there was no equipoise in stopping DPT at one month, including patients undergoing treatment for stent thrombosis, in whom probably you would like to better prolong than shorten DPT, as well as patients with instantary stenosis, where we know stent expansion is an issue, and therefore this patient may still be at very high risk for recurrent ischemic events, even despite prolonging DPT. So that said, was a pretty much an all-camer HBR population who uh, did well the first 30 days in terms of ischemic events. At that moment, the patient was pretty eligible to get into the study. We mainly screened patients at the time of uh, PCI, and in fact, only roughly 5% of patients who were potentially eligible did not get into the study for whatever reason, either uh, the, the clinician didn't feel comfortable in getting the patient to the study or the patient didn't want to get there. So at the end, I think it was a pretty clean population. Uh, the patient got uh, randomly allocated to immediately stop DAPT and continue with the single antiplatelet therapy for 11 months or five months if there was a clinical indication to oral antipopulation. On the other hand, the control group was what we called standard DPT, in which we pre-specified the lower limit, but we left investigators to continue as much as they want beyond those limits. And the limits were two for patients uh, in whom there was an indication to oral antipopulation or five in patients in whom there was no uh, concomitant oral antipopulation. Now, it's important to clarify, as you already alluded to, that SAPT in our study was either aspirin or a P2Y12 inhibitor. That was a call done by the investigators. The study was set up for non-inferiority of NACE. Can I interrupt you? It was interesting, the choice of the single antiplatelet therapy, right? I mean, uh, a lot of the time, I think it was 53.8% of the time, it was clopidogrel. So that is correct. 
and 28.8% of the time it was aspirin. There is a lot more clopidogrel monotherapy than aspirin monotherapy, not a lot of ticagrel or prazogrel, right? That is correct. I think that is a result within the results, to be honest, because the investigators responded very clearly that they would favor a P2 Y-turb inhibitor. And perhaps speaking for the fact that we do have a truly HBR population, clopidogrel was preferred, most likely even in CS patient, over prasugrel and ticagrel. Prasugrel was almost not existing. Ticagrel only, I would say only 14%, if you take into account that roughly 15% of patients, sorry, 50% of patients had any CS, including STEMI. So for sure, the investigators uh, were more concerned about the bleeding than the ischemic risk. That is very clear. Uh, and in fact, if you look at the event rate, bleeding really stood out. We had a higher than anticipated bleeding rates. On the other hand, the lower than anticipated MACE and NACE rates. So I think that is also interesting beyond the study results per se. Right. So going there, we were able to show the known inferiority for NACE, which was our first ranked primary point that allowed us to test MACE. Also, we met a known inferiority. And finally, the third point was major or clinically relevant non-major bleeding, which was also met. Interestingly, that was led by BARC2, but not by BARC3. BARC3 did not differ. And that was also a bit of a surprise, I have to say. Yeah, I was surprised to see that. It was really largely driven by what many of us would consider mild to moderate bleeding, not the major bleeds. Yeah. That is correct. That is correct. Also taking into account the fact that these bleeding were occurring outside the hospital. So at the end, we're really still bleeding that led uh, patients to seek for medical attention. And therefore, I think are really clinically relevant, yet are not as big as BARC3. And of course, for BARC5, we, did we didn't see much of a difference. We had two fatal bleeding events with abbreviated eight with standard EPT. So both BARC3 and BARC5 trended in favor of abbreviated EPT, but did not reach any statistical significance. So what's the take-home message for our audience? This, I think, really does cement or change practice, Marco. So we're talking about high bleeding risk patients here. We're talking about a month of DAP. We're talking about dropping aspirin mostly uh, and using clopidogrel in over half the patients. Uh, Seemed to be a very favorable strategy. No worsening of MACE same MACE rates, a reduction in mild to moderate bleeding. Uh, any other take-home messages for our audience? No, I think you, you summarized the data very very well, I have to say. I think one month EPT in HBR patient is probably now becoming the standard of care, which does not mean that you can and you should deviate from that, but perhaps you should have reasons for doing this. If you are really concerned about the very high ischemic risk and perhaps not that much of bleeding risk, I think would be very reasonable still to continue perhaps some additional months. But probably now the standard of care is really shortened the APT, one month or few months at least, and then continue preferably a P2 or 12 inhibitor more than aspirin, which is in a way building upon evidence which is being created recently. For example, the OST exam study showing uh, comparing aspirin versus clopidogrel, and actually clopidogrel did uh, relatively more well than, than aspirin per se. Well, that's why I emphasize the choice of clopidogrel over aspirin. Um, and again, important to show this this was consistent among ACS, non-ACS, among state. It was 
absolutely consistent absolutely consistent and actually if anything the point of estimate was even more favoring shortened dpt in scs than in non-scs patients and mm -hmm. i wonder whether that speaks for the fact that perhaps in that patient category ticagra was more liberally used uh, we do not know we have not analyzed the data so that is something that we need to look at carefully because that is interesting I have to say, as a clinician, I'm always a bit worried to continue clopidogrel monotherapy because I never know whether the patient is or is not responding to that treatment from a pharmacological standpoint, yet the clinical data speaks for the fact that this seems to be a very sound strategy. Yes. Marco, congratulations. Landmark study. Job well done. High quality. Changes practice. Thanks for joining us here today. And thanks to all of you from ESC 2021 for joining us.